All right. Um, I want to present a scenario to you. Let's say there's this deal you have to make. And your house is on the line. Your car is on the line. All your clothes are on the line, except for what you're wearing. Your food's on the line. Your pay is on. In other words, it's a big deal. Everything that you own is on the line. If the deal fails, you're homeless. And if the deal succeeds, you do quite well. And you have to do the deal. You have to negotiate. Everything's riding on it. But then something happens to your health, and you have to be hospitalized, and you can't make, make the meeting. If you don't make the meeting, you lose. So you have the option of sending somebody on your behalf. Who would you send? Who do you trust enough to put your house on the line, your income on the line, your, your life on the line? Who, who would you send? Think, think about it. Is there somebody in your life you'd just be willing to give your entire checkbook to right now and say, I trust you, make wise choices? Or maybe your health? I can't talk to the doctor. Make wise choices for me. An ambassador to the United, from the United States was asked to describe what his job is, and this is what he said. I'm the United States President's primary representative for all American interests in the part of the world where I am the ambassador. You know, there's hundreds of nations, and we have ambassadors to most of them. Our president is our key. He's our CEO. He's our chief executive for this country. But he can't have a personal relationship with all these countries. Too many countries. Not enough time in the day. So who do you send? Now, maybe sending an ambassador to Fiji, you don't really care. We don't have a lot of trade with them. They don't have a big army. We don't care. So you can send somebody. Yeah. But what about your ambassador to Russia? Your ambassador to China. This is somebody that if you tick them off, there might be war. Or our entire economy is thrown into helter-skelter because you had a bad day at the office with the Chinese ambassador. You better send somebody you really trust. And an ambassador isn't just somebody who has to carry your message. He's somebody that's got to carry your attitude. You know... And I don't know much about Chinese culture, but you don't want to send somebody who's offensive to them or somebody who's got an attitude. You want somebody that will carry your attitude. When you're ready to talk soft, you've got to send somebody who knows how to talk soft and will talk soft because you asked them to. And when you're ready to talk hard, you've got to send somebody who knows how to talk hard and is willing to talk hard and able to talk hard because you want them to. I'm telling you, being an ambassador carries a lot of power, a lot of authority, a lot of trust. So why do people speak for the president? Because he can't speak for himself. There's just too many countries out there and not enough president to go around. But God has ambassadors too, you know. I'm not exactly sure why. There's enough God to go around. So why doesn't he choose to speak to everybody instead of sending prophets and apostles? I'm not sure. And I gave it some thought, and I really don't know. But I do know that there was a time God personally ch chose to speak to people, and he freaked them out, and they all said they were going to die of a heart attack if he continued. Have you ever read the story of Mount Sinai? 
God spoke from Mount Sinai. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. He spoke ten commandments, and the people went to Moses and said, tell them to stop. We can't listen anymore. We're going to die. You go up. You get the rest. We'll do whatever you say, but please don't make us hear the voice of God anymore, or we will die. They couldn't even handle the voice of God, let alone the presence of God. Maybe that's why God sends human ambassadors. I don't know. I just know that he does. And in the Old Testament, there's a group of ambassadors. And in the New Testament, there's a group of ambassadors. Types of spokesmen of people who speak for God in the Old Testament. The first, you probably know, prophets. Now, we call them prophets, and that's what they are. But they are ambassadors. They are God's mouthpiece to the people he sends them to. And you know the names of some of these guys. Moses, Abraham, David, Jonah. These were God's ambassadors. But prophets aren't the only ambassadors in the Old Testament. They're not the only people who speak for God. The priests also spoke for God. And the kings and the other leaders, they also spoke for God. Did you know that the king of Israel was required to write a copy of the whole Torah when he got into office within the first year of his office, I think it was? First five books of Moses, he was required to write a hand copy. Why? So he could know it know it well, so that he could lead the people God's way, not his way. And when the king gave a judgment, what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. God stood by it, unless it was an immoral or ungodly judgment. But God gave the king the authority to lead in his name. Judges, local tribal councilmen who used the word of God and were appointed by the king, these were all ambassadors for God. Then you get into the New Testament, and probably the foremost ambassadors, you know them by name, are the apostles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You know, I turned on the TV this morning before I came to church and uh, listened to one of my favorite pastors in town, Robert Furrow. Plugged down the last few minutes of his uh, message before I got ready for the kids to leave. And he was talking about a passage of scripture um, about Judas Iscariot. No, no. No, no, he was talking about that rich young ruler. He, he mentioned both. But the rich young ruler, Jesus said, sell that you have and come follow me. And he went away sad because he was wealthy. He didn't want to sell all that he had, give it to the poor, and come follow Jesus. He said, what did this guy really give up? He had the opportunity to be a disciple. He could have walked with Jesus, but he thought money was more important. Wow. I had never heard it that, that way before. It's like, thank you. I get to turn on the TV for five minutes, get a little piece of a sermon, and I got something for life out of it. It was awesome. Jesus offered the rich young ruler an ambassadorship for the king of heaven, and he turned it down because it didn't pay as well. Wow. The apostles, the ones that he took, came up to Jesus one day and said, we've given everything. What will we get? What will we have? What do you pay? We've given up everything for you. He said, you'll get it back in spades in the kingdom. Prophets, there are prophets in the New Testament. They're God's spokesmen too. The apostles were higher, but they were prophets. And how about pastors and teachers? When a pastor teaches God's word to you, he speaks for God. When a teacher teaches you the Bible, that teacher speaks for God. They are ambassadors. Sure, we're lower than apostles and prophets, but we're still representing God. Well, not only do you got different types of apostles, uh, different types of ambassadors, but they all heard from God in different ways. How did a prophet know what to say? 
God told them. They got it directly from God. A prophet heard from God directly. Well, did anybody else hear from God directly? No, just apostles and prophets, really. So that means everybody else, the priests, the rulers, the teachers, the pastors, um, the judges, they heard from God by studying the words of the prophets, the Bible. So when a prophet speaks to you, he's speaking directly from God. But when a pastor or a judge or an Old Testament priest spoke to you, they're speaking indirectly from God, teaching God's word, something that a prophet had already written down. Well, all of that introduces Jeremiah. He was a prophet. He was somebody that God spoke directly to. But Jeremiah was also part of the priestly tribe. So he had like mega authority. He was not only a prophet, he was also from the priestly family. God called to him to make him an ambassador. And here's how that happened. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying. So here's Jeremiah telling us how it happened. God's word came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Jeremiah speaking, Ah, oh, Lord, I can't speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said, Do not say you're too young. You shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. That's why I told you, take your kids shopping with you. They're not too young to serve God. They're not too young to give to God and to learn to love on other people. In fact, if you don't teach them now, you're going to have a hard time teaching them when they grow up. Teach them now how to share and how to give. You will go to whom I command you to go. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. What's that mean? How does God put words in somebody's mouth? Did he all of it just like, bing, now he knows all sorts of new things? Maybe. Did he just know intuitively what God wanted him to say? Maybe. I, I don't know. I know that different prophets heard from God in different ways. Sometimes God would go up to the prophet and say, I want you to say this. Go to the king of Judah and say, this is what the Lord says. Tomorrow at about this time, such and such is going to happen unless you do so and so. So they knew exactly what to say because God told them exactly what to say. But sometimes they just were like filled with the Spirit and they just spoke God's words. How? Don't know. It's never happened to me before. At least not that I know of. Maybe it happens to me every Sunday. I don't know. I just know that David sat down to write a beautiful poem about sheep and it made it into the 23rd Psalm. Was God telling him, write down this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? No. He was inspired. What does that mean? Well, literally, it means God breathed. So somehow God's spirit was working with David's spirit and personality to pen some of the most powerful words in human history. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This was a poet and a musician writing. But it was also a prophet writing. So God gave Jeremiah the words to speak. He was inspired. You don't see much of that anymore. The Bible's written. It's done. But the Bible tells us that it's going to happen again. I said, I don't know. Maybe God gives me words every Sunday. I honestly don't know. But in the Bible, 
it says there will be people speaking through God, uh, God's Holy Spirit speaking through people once again. Specifically, he says when they go out and spread the gospel, so he's talking about the future when the persecution comes and they get arrested and imprisoned and stand before kings and magistrates. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say. Let me read to you what Jesus said. The gospel, it's the good news about Jesus in the Bible, must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you, not if. In fact, in many countries today, that's going on right now. You preach the gospel, you will be arrested. I saw at least three Facebook posts about a pastor who was just released in Iran. It's happening. When they arrest you and deliver you up, don't worry beforehand. Don't premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, that's the New King James. Better translation would be at that moment. Whatever is given to you at that moment, speak that. For it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. He specifically tells his ambassadors, when you get arrested and persecuted and stand before the judge, the king, the magistrate, the president, don't worry about what you're going to say. If you're in prison overnight, don't sit down and write out a big you know, sermon. Don't even worry about it. I'll speak through you. Man, how's that for peace? You know? I don't know. Does that speak just to the ambassadors in the tribulation? I don't know. You know, if I get arrested and put into prison and I get a chance to speak to a president, if I survive afterwards, I'll let you know. But I don't think I'd sweat about it. I think I'd spend my night praying, not my night preparing a message. So, prophets did get the word of God directly. Priests, pastors, and so on and so forth don't. But people will again. Persecuted people who are preaching the gospel. God's ambassadors. Well, prophets... I'm not saying their job was easy. They had the hardest of jobs. They were stoned. They were executed. They had to speak for God when nobody wanted to listen. But they didn't have to sit down and study the Word of God for three hours to know what to say, or four hours, or five hours, or six hours, or ten years, like pastors do and teachers do. You know, when somebody gets up and gives a message, that's usually, you know, you say, how many hours did you study for that message? Well, I went to Bible college from 83 to 80, you know, 86 to 90, then I studied the Bible, well, five years before that. And, you know, real, how many years does it take to study the Bible? Your whole life. And pastor's sermons always change because they're always growing and learning and doing new things. Prophet, God just told them what to say, and they said it. So the Apostle Paul told Pastor Timothy, you got to work at your job, son. Here's how he put it. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed Rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent. King James says, study. Work hard at your job, Pastor Timothy. you got to study the word of God before you get up there and give your messages. Work hard at it. So prophets were spokesmen for God. God told them exactly what to say. Pastors, God doesn't tell us exactly what to say. We've got to work hard at it. But we do trust that the Holy Spirit guides us. So what I think I've just done with you this morning is shared with you every type of ambassador mentioned in the Bible, except one. Prophets, apostles, kings, judges, even persecuted uh, ambassadors in the future. We call them evangelists or missionaries or just Christian people who share the word of God in bad circumstances. All those are ambassadors in the Bible. But there's one more kind, and I save the best for last. I told you the apostles were at the top of the list. Well, that was the list I gave you. The one I'm going to give you now sits over the apostles. Listen. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, the Messiah. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on the Messiah's behalf, be reconciled to God. Who's the ambassador I left out? It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are the ambassadors for Christ. You. You, 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 you. You are ambassadors for Christ. How much does God trust you? That he's given you the gospel, the words of eternal life to get this world saved. Why would he pick me? Couldn't he do better? No, because you're the best. Don't sell yourself short. He wouldn't have picked you if you weren't. Do not sell yourself short. He trusts you. He will enable you, and you are his ambassador. Now, I told you you're even above the the apostles. What did I mean by that? Here's what I meant by that. Jesus was telling his disciples, things I do, you will do, and even greater. How can he tell his disciples that they would do greater things than he did? He walked on water. He rose people from the dead. He made food out of, you know, two little fishes. He fed a stadium full of people. Nobody's done better than that. So some people say, see, the Bible's not trustworthy. Nobody's done greater than Jesus. They misunderstand. How many people did Jesus lead to the Lord? Don't know. A few hundred? A few thousand? How many has Greg Laurie led to the Lord? Luis Palau, Billy Graham, D.L. Moody. Millions. God called them as ambassadors. Because walking on water is cool, but that's not a great work. Leading somebody to the Lord, that's great work. So Jesus said, hey, I'm going to let you do greater works than I did. And that's why you as ambassadors, you see, you say, oh, Steve, that's your job. That's not my job. I don't know the people you know. I don't have the influence over your friends and family like you have. We're all ambassadors. Every one of us who follow Jesus is ambassador of Jesus. The people you know can learn about Jesus through you and come into a relationship with him because of you. That is awesome. So, now you know. You're an ambassador. Well, an ambassador's got to know what the message is. What does my sent one, my president, my Lord, want me to say? Let me read to you. Here's your message. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 15. Now I want to remind you, my friends, of the good news, the gospel. That's what good news is, which I preach to you. I want to remind you about what you received and on which your faith stands. Here's the gospel, straight up, simple, in its shortest form. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised to life three days later. That's the gospel. You are an ambassador. What's the message? Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose three days later. That's the message. It's not that complicated. Turn from your sins, follow Jesus. 
That's it. That's your message. You can study more and learn more. By all means, do so. But don't think you don't know enough because that's all you need to know right there. We are Christ's ambassadors. We know the message to share. But I wanted to do more than let you know you're an ambassador. And I wanted to do more than give you the message to share. I want to help you share it. I want to give you some tools to help you be an ambassador, to help you be a better ambassador. First thing I want to share with you is don't put yourself down. Don't say, God can't use someone like me. God can use you. God will use you. Unless you pull the rich young ruler trick and refuse. You say, oh, I'm not smart enough. I don't know God good enough. I'm not eloquent enough. One of today's foremost evangelists in the world is Greg Laurie. Let me share with you, if we can kill the lights, I've got a video clip from Greg for you. It was around 1971, I was a brand new Christian. I'd just come to faith on my high school campus and I was attending Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And I heard that I am supposed to go out now and start sharing my faith. I, was, I wasn't a year old in my new beliefs. I wasn't six months old. I think I was probably a couple of weeks old. But I thought, I know enough to go out and tell others about Jesus. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? And so I went down to the beach. I think it was Huntington Beach, as I recall. I was armed with my Bible, of course, and a copy of the four spiritual laws that was put up by Campus Crusade for Christ. I was so new to all of this, I hadn't even memorized the contents of the little Bible track quite yet. And so I was looking for someone to talk to about Jesus. And I saw this lady about the age of my mom sitting on the beach by herself. And I thought, you know, maybe she'll listen to me. She'll be kind to me because I'm so young, you know. And I, I walked up. You have to understand, I had long hair. I had hair to start with. I had long hair at this point. And, and I walked up. My voice was shaking. I said, hi, do you, do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about Jesus? And she said, no, go ahead. And I said, okay. And I sat down and, and I just started reading the contents of this little tract. Uh, the Four Spiritual Laws, copyright 1954, Campus Crusade. And I just turned to page one. God loves you and there's a wonderful plan for your life. And I just started reading through this. And here's what I'm thinking as I'm reading. This is not going to work. Well, who do I think I am out here talking to someone about Jesus as if this woman would actually believe as a result of my foolish attempts to convince her about her need for Christ. And I, I was reading through this page by page thinking these thoughts of doubt as I'm saying these words and I would look up at her periodically and she was just looking at me and I thought, you know, this isn't really going well at all. I can hardly wait till I'm done. I got to the very end of the little track and there's a question that you are to ask or the person reading it would read the question and the question is, is there any good reason why you should not accept Jesus? So I read that. Is there any good reason why you should not accept Jesus right now? I looked up. She said, no, no. Okay, no. Are you saying you want to accept Jesus? She said, yes. Yes. I had planned for failure, not <laughs> success. And so in the most reverent tone I could muster, I said, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer together, you know? And she closed her eyes, and I'm frantically searching this thing for a prayer. What do I do now? I found a little prayer at the end, and to show you how lacking in faith I was, as I was leading her in the prayer for her to accept Christ, I was thinking, this isn't going to work. 
But when we're done praying and she said, Amen, she said, something just changed inside of me. And I said, yeah, something just changed inside of me too. <laughs> I just realized that God could use someone like me. And God can use someone like you too. All you have to do is be willing to open your mouth and share the message. Now, we're not all called to be evangelists, okay? But we are all ambassadors. What's the difference? An evangelist goes out to the beach with four spiritual laws in his pocket to find some stranger to share with. An ambassador takes any opportunity God brings him and looks for it. One goes for the opportunities, the other accepts the opportunities. Big difference. Greg Laurie, passionate about sharing the gospel with anybody and everybody all the time. Ambassadors should be willing and able to share. Family, friends. You don't need to be smart. You don't need to have all the right words. All you got to do... You don't have to convince anybody that Jesus is the Savior. All you got to do is share the message. Let him worry about the convincing. Just tell him the story. Some will accept it. Some will reject it. That's the way it is. So those who reject it, reject it. You go on and you look for the next person. Eventually somebody's going to believe it. And you're going to tell them what they have to do. And they'll listen. And they'll be sitting in, in the pew next to you next week. Because you brought them into eternity. It's the most beautiful thing you can do on this planet. It's amazing. And God is in it. God is in it. By the way, if you feel like you might be brave enough to just go out and talk to total strangers and share the gospel with them, I've got a sheet in the back. It's an evangelism team sheet. Put your name on it. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do it. Am I brave? Not really. I'm scared. But I'm still going to do it. I just want to. I just feel the need. So if you want to join me, Watch me stumble and fall a few times. Get, join me. We'll, 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 we'll go hit the mall, bring a few tracks, and see what God does. Just see. I remember I used to do it a lot, you know, and every time I did it, I was scared. But I used to do it a lot. I spent hours and hours on the streets passing out tracks, talking to people. And I led several people to the Lord on the street. It's not like, oh, I had the words. No, they were ready. I remember one guy came up to me and said, oh, I've been hoping I'd find somebody like you. How do I get saved? That was my job today, standing there, waiting for the divine appointment. I'd never seen that guy before. That man became the best man at my wedding, by the way. You just never know what God's going to do. Just be available. I remember one time I was leading a team of people in New York, and we got lost in the subway system, which is not hard to do when you're new there. We were like on this train platform in the middle of the night, scared. Do you get out your map? I'm not sure where we are. Some lady comes up to us, the only other person on the train platform. She said, I'm lost. You guys know where we're at? She said, I'm lost too, but we've got a map. By the way, I'm out here telling people about Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? I shared the gospel with her. She said the prayer, and as soon as she finished the prayer, we were at a stop. She recognized. I said, oh, I got to go. Good, call me. Divine appointment. I got lost, she got lost. What are the odds? It's just, it's crazy the kind of things that God will do if you're just willing to be used by him. You'll fall into it. <laughs> You'll just stumble into it. I remember one time, I was with one of my, you know, I had a team with me, and the guy came up to me and said, you've been leading people to the Lord. How do you do it? You just ask them. What do you mean? You just ask them. You're like, go up to somebody and say, hey, do you want to believe in Jesus? Or do you want to get saved? Do you want to go to heaven? Just, well, show me. Okay, uh, excuse me, sir. Do you want to go to heaven? Yeah, I do. What were the odds of that guy saying yes at that moment? Slim to none. 
Well, God wanted that other guy to learn a lesson, so he set up that divine appointment, because I could have asked a thousand people and they would have spit in my face. But that guy was ready. Just this, uh, excuse me, sir, just, just so I can show the guy how to ask. And he, we led him to the Lord in prayer. It was crazy. Crazy. Good times, man. If you want to see God work, get out on the streets and preach the gospel. You will see God work in amazing ways. So, God can use anybody, and God can use you, and God will use you if you'll just let him. You know the message. You know you're called to share it. But how do you share it? Well, I gave you the spirit, four spiritual laws. You can be like Greg Laurie and just read the book to somebody if you want. They're sitting in the pews. Take one home with you. Just, just take it and pray like this. Pray something like this. Let me grab one. God, I'm scared to death to use this thing. But I am your ambassador. So if you want me to use it, please present an obvious and clear opportunity for me to use it. Help me be wise enough to notice it and brave enough to use it. Amen. And then shove it in your pocket and wait for the opportunity. See what God does. But if you're brave like me, sign up on that sheet and we'll go out there and get into trouble together. But, you know, there's an even easier way than using the four spiritual laws. So, a real easy way to share your faith. I got another clip for you. Let me show you. So often when I'm explaining the gospel to people, I've found a couple of illustrations that are really helpful. Um, one of them, and you can write these out just on napkins, like if you're out at a restaurant, is called the bridge illustration. And it goes something like this, that between us and God, there's a separation. And the reason for that separation is our, our sin. And there may be a couple of verses that it'd be helpful to memorize if you're given this illustration. One of them is Romans 3.23 which says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the idea of this verse, if you just think about it with regards to your own life, we fall short of our own standards. I can't even live up to my standards for myself, much less God's standards. And the idea is that we fall short of the standards that God has for us. And because of that, in our relationship with him, the Bible tells us that there is a separation. Now, how do we overcome this separation? That's the point of the gospel. And there are a lot of religions or religious ideas or just personal ideas that people have that say this, that I'm going to just try by my own power to, in some way or another, overcome this separation. So I'll pray more, I'll do good works for God. But the problem is, uh, and this might be another verse that you memorize, Romans 6.23, which says this, that the wages of sin is death. The problem is that no matter how many good things we try to do, we keep on sinning. We don't live up to our standards, and the Bible clearly says that that sin, the wages of it, is death. And so no matter how many good things we do, we just can't overcome the fact that we have built up a debt for which we must die. And so the Bible says that God has overcome this separation for us. What we couldn't do ourselves, um, God has done through Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. He died the death that we deserved in order that we could be with God. 
And so it's Jesus that has bridged this separation between us and God that was caused by our sin. Pretty straightforward. I mean, it's pretty straight up. There's a distance between us and God, and we need help bridging it because we can't bridge it ourselves. Our sin keeps us from God. Jesus takes away our sin. If we'll trust him, he'll give us peace with God. Very nice, and you can use a little napkin. You know, um, oftentimes when you sit around with your friends and people you know, conversation takes an interesting turn, especially if you pray and ask God to let it go that way. Somebody will bring up God or religion or a political position that speaks to a religious matter. That's, there's your opening. There's your opportunity. You don't even have to start the conversation. They did. And then you just step in. Say, well, you know, I understand your position. I used to think exactly like you do, but you know, then I read this verse in the Bible. It just blew my mind, and I don't feel that way anymore. Really? What was the verse? What did it say? Now they're asking you. You know, sharing the message about God, some, some people do find it offensive, and that's just the way it is. Don't, don't shoot me. I'm the messenger. You know, you take it up with my boss. Don't ever apologize for the message. But at the same time, don't you be the cause of the offense. If the message is offensive, that's one thing. If the messenger is offensive, that's something else altogether. So my last video clip has to do with that concept. So the first one is God can use even you. The second one was it's easy to do. Here's how to do it. The third one is don't be a jerk about it. Let's take a look. We need to use tact. T-A-C-T. -T, tact. Jesus, the master evangelist, understood this. And I've seen how believers will sometimes approach non-believers with really strange verbiage. You know, they'll say, hey, you, sinner, heathen, Philistine, come here for a second. Did you know you're going to hell? What, that offends you? Ah, oh, then they'll say, man, some people are just offended by the gospel. You know what? People are offended by the gospel. Many times there is an offense in it, but a lot of times people are offended because Christians are just weird. Because they're weird and they're unnecessarily offensive and they don't know how to use tact. They'll say, oh, I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake. No, you're being persecuted because you're obnoxious, you see. <laughs> Try a little tact, a little winsomeness. Try to build a bridge to the person you're speaking with. Find something you might have in common with them. Arrest their attention. Tact has been defined as the intuitive knowledge of saying the right thing at the right time. See, the idea is not to win the argument, it's to win the soul. You might go in there and engage a person, have a lot of great information to give to them, and just blow them out of the water, and they don't want to ever talk to a Christian again. That accomplishes nothing. What we want to do is instead try to win them over. Because if you can argue someone into the kingdom of God, they could be argued out as well. Try a little tact. Like Paul on Mars Hill when he saw that the people worshipped everything imaginable, and he could have said, you're a bunch of pagan idolaters. And instead he said, men of Athens, I perceive you're very religious or spiritual. Let me talk to you about the God that you don't know. Or look at the way that Philip approached a man from Ethiopia who was reading out loud from the text of Isaiah 53. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? Tact. 
I heard about a barber who was at a church service on a Sunday and heard the pastor say he needed to go preach the gospel. And so this barber decided that Monday morning he was going to preach to the first person that sat in his chair. Now he had one of those old-fashioned kind of barber shops. And you know, the kind where they put the apron around you and he even used a straight-edge razor to shave people, like in the Old West. Some people like that. And uh, I've never wanted to have one of those shaves. Those frighten me a little bit. Yeah, but um, so sure enough, Monday morning someone came and sat down in this chair and, and so the barber was vigorously taking a shaver and, and sharpening it there uh, and getting ready to shave his customer. And he turned to the man and he said, friend, are you ready to meet God? <laughs> Not understanding how that would come off. And his customer ran out, apron and all. See, that barber needed to use a little bit of tact. <laughs> you know, I like how he shared the story about Paul. Paul was in Athens, and there were idols everywhere, and he saw one to the unknown God. He, he started his conversation about that idol. You notice Paul didn't run from Athens. He didn't say, I'm not walking anywhere near an idol. He decided to use what they knew as a launching pad to share the gospel. We're going to do the same thing. It just so happens that Halloween is on, October, uh, is on a Wednesday this year. We're all together on a Wednesday. Why don't we use that as an excuse, as a launching pad to share the gospel? So what we're going to do is we're going to stop our normal meetings on Wednesday night and open up our parking lot to the neighborhood. Maybe bring in some jumping castles and, and some tracks with a, with a Halloween you know, lead-in tagline and uh, give candy to the kids and use it as an opportunity to do something wholesome on Halloween, sharing the gospel. So maybe you don't usually come on Wednesday nights, but you're all into this. Come, join us as we do something wholesome on our campus as an alternative in the neighborhood to Halloween. It'll be our harvest festival where we share the gospel and hope to harvest a bunch of souls. We're not going to be annoying about it. We're not going to be obnoxious about it. But we're going to take an opportunity to give candy to kids and for those who want the gospel tract and for those who want to come to share the gospel, please join us. Let's see what the Lord does. So, you know everything now that you need to know. I want to encourage you to go out there and share the message with people. Not just once, not just twice, but for the rest of your life. And let's bring the biggest harvest we possibly can to lay at the feet of Jesus. Let's get people saved. Let's help them go to heaven. Please join me in prayer. Okay, Lord, I'm scared, but I'm willing. I would like to help people get to heaven. I'm willing to overcome my fright for their benefit. But I pray that you'd give me, that you'd give us opportunities and the wisdom to see those opportunities as you present them and the boldness to speak up when you present them. I pray for the group that is willing to join me out on the streets talking to strangers. Please bless us. Please raise up a mighty team of evangelists, of non-obnoxious people who are willing to share their faith in hopes of helping people get saved. Lord, if there's anybody who was listening in this morning and the gospel finally made sense to them, I pray you would call them by name through their heart and that they would choose to turn away from their old selves and choose to follow you with all their hearts. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.